kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a few good sounds. Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, I was very lucky. In the last episode, I was saying I had been flying with some harried, cranky flight attendants because it was the summer crowds and everybody was working too much and... um, you know, everything was just so crowded. And then this is the exact opposite. <laughs> this month, I flew with some interesting, funny, great people. Uh, the mood was lighter because the summer's over. And in this episode, we have stories about pilots in makeup, a fighter pilot story, a tomato juice soaked crotch, and a passenger exposing himself. <laughs> And the music for this episode, I was in Brussels. You know, one of the things that's great about my job is you just happen to be on a layover when something's going on. You know, total coincidence, good or bad. And (laughs) this coincidence was good and bad because it was a holiday in Brussels and loosely translated, it's uh, no cars day, um, like zero emissions day. So you're not allowed to drive on that day. So... Uh, made getting to the hotel, <laughs> you know, after the long flight over, very, very difficult. Took hours and hours because all these roads were blocked off because there weren't supposed to be any cars. You're supposed to be on bikes and things and walking. Um, it's like an environmental day, uh, which made it very difficult to get to our hotel in our hotel van, which was driving. Uh, some public transportation was allowed to drive, but only on certain streets and only, only. <laughs> certain miles per hour so once we finally all the all the roads were blocked leading out of the airport it's like groundhog day and a uh, flight attendant and pilot nightmare (laughs) where you cannot leave the airport (laughs) we finally finally find a road that was open to lead out of the airport and then some cops said we can only drive like i don't know 10 miles an hour even though there's no cars on the street because it's no cars day (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, once we finally got there, they were having this big festival, and it was so weird because you, you could just be in the streets because there's no cars, no cars anywhere. And they were having like a, a folk festival. So the music for this episode is uh, from the Grand Platz, which is the big, beautiful square in Brussels where it, everybody was having a party, and there were local musicians, and there were people dancing in giant marionette costumes. <laughs> It was a lot of fun once we finally were able to leave the airport. So in this episode, I think there's three stories uh, about liquids, liquid restrictions. Now, I thought I'd explain just a little bit. In general, uh, flight crews, we don't have the same liquid restrictions as passengers. So we can have a bottle of water. We can have bigger size 
toiletry items. But there are some places, especially London, where we have to go with the same liquid restrictions that you have as a passenger, actually maybe even a little stricter. I mean, they're real serious about, about what size the bag is, that the size that the bag will zip close. Um, they're so strict in London that they pat us down like uh, we're talking a serious pat down, private parts and everything. Uh, you basically need a cigarette after the pat down. I mean, it's some serious business. Yeah, I, I fly the UK a lot. I'm, I call myself the speaker on the London flights because I do it so often and all my friends are like, you're a speaker on there. I'm like, yeah. So I went through the, um, the you know, the really, uh, how do you say, they're very um, particular, yeah. yeah, about the fluids thing over there. So anyways, I had my bag of fluids and the guy was like, oh, y'all things, y'all things are not comfortable. And I was like, what? And he goes, y'all things are not comfortable. And so I undid the little zipper thing and then I, I opened it up and I go, hey, are y'all okay down there? Is everybody comfortable? <laughs> and and the, the man was just looking at me and this English lady was laughing. And he goes, no, I mean y'all things. You cannot read y'all things. They're not comfortable. And I just was like, like I've never it. heard of this store. I've never heard of anybody Thanks. ever saying this yeah and so um he said in your bags out of regulation so he he said you can only have a press and seal so i like took my bag press and, and i yes and i put it in the new bag and i pressed and sealed it closed and i go does that work for you and he was like that's fine just go through but you're out of regulation and then during the olympics in heathrow um they were tearing my bag apart and I was like, what, you know, the captain was in there because, you know, we get on this bus. Everybody was on the bus. And um, he was just tearing it apart, kept running it through. And, and, I, and he said, okay, we found it. We found it. And I was like, well, what, what was it? And he goes, you have a pedophile in your bag. And I was like, what? And the captain started laughing. You know, like sometimes I like do or pedicures on my feet. And I have a little file in there, you know, for rough spots. He pulled it out and he was like, here it is, you have a pedophile. And I was like, oh my gosh, I go, I should not have a pedophile in my bag. And the captain started cracking up laughing. He just was like, yeah, you need to get rid of that pedophile. So I go, do you want the pedophile? And he goes, oh no, you're fine. But he just went on and on and on about this pedophile. So. Well, uh, we were going through a security line and we're all supposed to have our own little court baggie with our own little yeah. uh, liquids in it. Well, this one flight attendant had bought a bunch of makeup, liquid makeup, and, and she was all stressed. What am I gonna do? I can't have two baggies. The pilot said, well, I'll take your makeup bag. And she said, all right, are you sure? So he goes through with the makeup bag and he doesn't have a baggie of liquids. And, she's, and they said, is this your personal bag? He said, yes, it's my personal bag. <laughs> he said, I'm going to ask you one more time, is this your personal bag? He said, and I'm going to tell you once, this is my personal bag and it's none of your business what I do on layovers. <laughs> So I was meeting my producer for the BBC for this segment of 100 Women Around the World. It's going to be coming out later this month. I'm going to, I'll tweet and put it on Facebook whenever I find out when it's airing, because I don't know when it's airing yet. But I was 
taking the tube in London on a layover to meet my producer. And we actually went in a studio to record some of the stuff for this segment. And it was weird for me. Um, I recorded in my bedroom. <laughs> I, I don't record in any professional environment. It, it was odd. I was a little uncomfortable. I, it didn't sound right. You could like hear yourself breathing. It sounded really loud. Um, hopefully, he thought it turned out good. So hopefully it'll be fine. But on the way there, uh, I took the tube. And there's in London, uh, some of the time with a tube, you had to get in a giant elevator. And I found out why. A uh, little sidebar here. Because... Uh, one time I decided to take the stairs, thinking it was like, what, two or three stories. It's 15 stories down or up. And I decided to go up one time when the elevator was taking a long time to wait for the elevator. I thought, oh, I'll just walk up. 15 stories up. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so this time I definitely want to use the elevator. So I get in this crowded elevator and these three guys, I don't know, maybe they're my age, maybe a little younger. Um, they get in and the one guy is standing pretty close to me and he's like, ah, oh, I got these back, oh, my back is, he's talking to his two friends, my back's been killing me, ah, oh, he's holding his back, he's like, oh my God, that my back, and then he looks over at me and <laughs> without really taking a breath, it seems strange, he goes, uh, can I get your number? Do you want to go have a drink sometime? <laughs> I said, oh no, not with those back problems. <laughs> his two friends just started cracking up. I couldn't, help it it seemed like such a weird thing to say you know oh my back my back hurts hey can I get your number you want to go for a drink sometimes I'm like oh no no not 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 with your back problems okay so something happened yes we had a crew that was flying to Hawaii a crew of 12 and one of the um, passengers was a crew member traveling on personal right. vacation. Yes. Who had baked brownies. Oh, One set of brownies that they had baked <laughs> was chocolate chip brownies. The other one was chocolate chip brownies with marijuana. And hot brownies. Hot brownies. Yeah, pot pot brownies. brownies. Yeah. And um, oh my goodness. somehow, when they were coming through security, they got them all mixed up. They c came on board, and they were so happy to see the crew that they handed them the wrong package. And oh my gosh. The, um, the two co-pilots, I uh, know the captain and the co-pilot ate theirs <laughs> um, oh after they got almost there. And um, the rest of the crew... They ate theirs uh, prior to landing, and they all felt kind of giddy. The co-pilot said to the captain, "Don't you feel kind of happy?" And the other, one, and he said, "Yeah, and that's not supposed to happen." So they called uh, oh op operations, and they told them that there was something wrong. They checked with the crew and asked them where the brownies came from. The flight attendants went back and asked the uh, gentleman. Uh, what was in the brownies and he told them that there shouldn't have been anything in it because he had made one set that had pot in it and one set oh that didn't God. and he was pretty sure he gave them the ones that didn't and pretty they sure said, they said pretty sure you gave the, us the ones that had the pot in it so now the airline operation knows about it and they look at their their legalities and they find that this crew cannot fly 
for several days until the pot is out of their systems. So they're stuck in Hawaii. Oh, that's not a bad place to be stuck. They're stuck in Hawaii during the Christmas holiday. Oh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Oh, my so the airlines feel so bad for the, the crew um, because it really wasn't their fault that they tell them that they can call their immediate family members and they will fly their immediate family members, their children, over so that they can spend Christmas together. So this crew got up to five days with their families in Hawaii. Dream vacation. Dream vacation. Once in a lifetime. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So this next story is from a listener. And this is the first time a listener has sent me an audio file. Um, it's great because people send me stories, written stories, and I... Quite honestly, I'm not the best reader. Uh, I'm great at telling my own stories, but I, I'm not so good at telling other people's stories. So it's much better when it's in their own voice. And this story is from Darren Elliott, and it's from his travel blog called personaltravelstories.com. That was www.personaltravelstories.com. And I thought it was great. Most of us were on the same flight from Canada, excited for the change, the escape from winter, and the adventure that going somewhere unfamiliar brings. Can I get you something to drink? The flight attendant asked at the beginning of the service. Could I have tomato juice, please? No ice, thanks. Here you are. Thank you. Well, I don't really know how I did it, but soon after retrieving my cup of the lovely thick tomato juice, and before taking a sip, I just dumped it in my lap, completely upturned, as if on purpose. Nice full portion. Not a good choice for spilling. It kind of looked like after having tomato juice, I somehow vomited straight down into my clutch. It's funny, too, because I never drink tomato juice at home, and yet I nearly always choose it on an airplane, as if it were the perfect in-flight beverage, perfectly suited for that endeavor. Better than water, better than the 7-Up. Would you like another drink, sir? Offers the helpful flight attendant as she hands me a stack of serviettes to help sop up the pool of thick, murky liquid I'm trying to contain by pressing my knees together as it slowly soaks and drenches my crotch. I'm thinking maybe not. Thank you, though. Now there's a cart between me and the washroom. Overly conscientious, I wait for the cart to move its way slowly back before I join what has then become a queue for the toilet. I patiently wait my turn, uncomfortable with the sticky mess and exchanging knowing looks with the other passengers. You know the look that says, yes, I'm a sad, useless moron, yeah. a grown-up who can't drink their beverage without making a big mess like a baby. I know, bad choice, tomato juice, yeah. Yeah, I should bring a sippy cup, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, didn't pack anything in my carry-on, no. My turn comes, I feel the sticky mess has nearly dried. I enter the enclosed toilet space where I cannot even stand upright. I'm just over six feet. I should have waited for the center washroom to have more headspace. This one has a ceiling that's curved with the shape and the round hull of the aircraft. The pinnacle of the height where the door opens is not wide enough for a human head, which I would think would be the most common item to want to fill that particular airspace. <laughs> Inside, I try to figure out some contortion moves 
bringing to mind the Chinese gymnast in some Cirque du Soleil show I saw in Vegas. I get my jeans down to my feet. <laughs> Off come the underwear, red with juice, and my shirt too. Everything is just stuck. I'm not entirely enjoying this situation. I'm trying to wring out my clothing under a tap where my hands alone can barely fit and with the tap that fully takes one hand to operate and won't stay on. I'm using all the hand towels, awkwardly trying to wash myself and there's no room to put anything. I'm wringing out my underwear when someone starts pounding on the door. Sure, I've taken longer than my share of time for a quick relief of the bladder, but everyone behind me knew the condition in which I was entering this toilet. Surely they could put together that I had more issues to address in this tiny confined space than just to relieve myself. I'll be a few minutes, I yell through the door, which is basically pressed against my face as I try to pull up my wet underwear. Bang, 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 for F's sake. I'm still trying to rinse the red out of my jeans, my shirt is off. Give me a few minutes. Bang, bang, bang. I am not pleased with this intrusion. I wring out my jeans less than I would have wanted and go through the considerable effort trying to pull them over my bent-up, wet body while trying to rush. Bang, bang, bang. I can't believe whoever is on the other side of that door. What a complete jerk they must be. I'm not finished. Give me a minute. I scream, now working on my shirt. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. My shirt barely over my head. I come bursting out of the toilet, ready to give a real piece of my mind to the ignorant a-hole and making this experience so much worse. This. Screaming. Wailing. Oops. There was a three-year-old right there, pounding on the door. Now I've knocked him over by the violent force of my door opening. It was one of those folding doors, but used with enough force. <laughs> if someone's right there, oh no, there's blood. Oh. Quite a lot of blood. His nose is bleeding and he's screaming and his incompetent grandmother caregiver runs to him. The flight attendants rush over and everyone's looking at me with open mouths of disbelief. <laughs> A sociopath, right there in their midst, disguised as one of them, like a regular traveler on his way to spend a beach holiday with his family. I don't even like beaches. The people sat nearby who were previously giving me knowing smiles and recognition of my sad enoughness with beverages are now shooting me daggers with their narrowed eyes. Did you see what that jerk just did? He came bursting out of the toilet like he was performing some circus act and nearly killed that poor innocent child who just happened to be standing there like a little angel pressing his face against the door. Well, someone should report him. I'm glad I wasn't standing there, although better me than that poor little boy. What a monster. I wonder if there's a marshal on this plane. I hate him. I don't actually know what the flyers were muttering to each other about me, but their looks spoke volumes. I could feel the group's disdain. I'm so sorry. I whimpered my head hugged so low as I retreated to my seat and tried to hide. It became a very long flight. Thank you. So 
I mentioned in a podcast a few months ago that uh, I, I live in a vacation beachy area. So granted, there aren't as many airline personnel probably living here. Uh, you don't see them as much as in a big city like Chicago or New York or something. But I, I, a couple months ago, I was walking out in my uniform, you know, my wings, <laughs> my heels, my pantyhose, <laughs> my suitcase. And somebody was like, uh, I'm guessing maybe you're a uh, flight attendant. And I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... A couple trips ago, same thing. I'm walking out of here. I have to walk. I'm walking to my car in again my uniform, wings, airline ID, uh, suitcase, carry on. You know, total flight attendant gear. And this, there's a whole group of people. And one of the guy goes after I walk by. He goes, "I bet she's in pharmaceutical sales." <laughs> I'm thinking, really, <laughs> pharmaceutical sales. <laughs> It just kills me. Yes, I was in the Navy for 24 years. And what did you fly? I started off in A7Bs, and I flew A7Es, and I flew A4s in an aggressor squadron, and I flew F-18s. Oh. So I flew for 19 straight years. Wow. So did anything interesting <laughs> happening during those years? Many. <laughs> Right. Can you tell us one? All right, here, here's, I was flying the A7B on my very first cruise, and, and it was nighttime in the Mediterranean, and I'm on, in the Marshall stack at night, which is a holding pattern yeah. overhead the ship. Well, and I was the first guy down, and so I'm, I'm coming towards the ship, and I'm doing what's called a, a ground-controlled approach to GCA. They go three miles on glide path, commence descent, two miles on glide path, and three-quarter mile call the ball. And when I look up to... I'm sorry, can you tell me what call the ball is? Okay. At three-quarters mile at night, you're supposed to transition from being under instrument conditions to visual. You look towards the ship, and you look to see if you can see the Fresnel lens, which is called the meatball, which gives you your glide path. Right? And it's a hopefully it's an orange ball lined up with some green horizontal lights. Okay. Now, the ball is above the green lights you're high but it's below the green lights you're low so it's a visual approach slope indicator but it's very accurate so and at three quarters mile you have to on the radio at night you say your side number 405 corsair ball then you give your fuel state and so 5.2 it's 5200 pounds so i look up but it's raining so hard i can't see out my windscreen so I say 405 is Clara, and Clara is the code word for I don't see the ball. Right. And what I expect to hear the LSOs, the landing signal officers, say is wave off. Right. But instead, they say paddles contact, which means the LSOs see me. Then they say keep it coming. <laughs> so I'm at three quarters of a mile at night in the rain, approaching the ship blind, and all my only contact is the radio. Oh, are you scared at this point? No, you're, you're, you're so intensely focused on flying the airplane. Like hyper-aware. Yes. I mean, your, your adrenaline's really pumping. And uh, I, have, I have heading, I have a vertical speed indicator, and I have my angle attack gauge, but I can't see outside the windscreen. And how old were you at this point? Uh, I was 26, 
And I hadn't even seen my second son who was born two days after I left on this cruise. Wow. So, but the else hosts start talking to me. They go, add a little power, a little right for lineup, which means take a little wing dip to the right, a little more power, take some power off. He just continually talks to me. I keep flying, doing what he says, and when I cross the back of the ship, my hook is 10 feet above the deck. I looked off my left windscreen, and I finally see the ball. Wow. And I call ball just as I touch down. <laughs> so I, I taxi clear. It's still raining cats and dogs. My commanding officer lands right behind me, and he said later he didn't see the ball. He never saw the ball at all. He saw the island of the ship go by as he's rolling out in the wires. But then they got up on the radios and said 99 Wolfpack, which means Wolfpack was a collective call sign for the air wing, and 99 means everybody. They say, divert to Greece and come back tomorrow at noon. So the other 10 people airborne, so they didn't have to do that. that's right, they all went ashore and got drunk on Uzo. Yeah. And the skipper and I sat in the red room shaking for like 45 minutes for the adrenaline to get out of our our system because we just landed at night without ever seeing the ball, without ever seeing the ship. And I have another question. Like, how how much space do you have to land? Well, this is a fairly small ship. The the landing area is probably maybe 500, 550 feet long. That's it. Yeah, and it's about... uh, maybe 80 feet wide with airplanes parked on both sides. So you're landing in between airplanes, but you have wires that stop you. Yeah, so there are four wires, you're supposed to hit the third wire. If you miss the wires, you just add power and take off again, try it again, it's called a bolter. And that must be scary, have you done that? <laughs> Everybody's done it. Everybody's done it. Everybody's <laughs> bolted. No one, no one is 100%. I mean, when, when you cross the ramp, a centered ball is like 18 inches high. So that's, that's the window you're, you're, you're flying through. The ship is moving at 25 miles an hour. Oh, and the ship is moving. Yeah, it's moving. You're moving 130 miles an hour, and you're trying to hit a window 18, 18 inches tall. So it's pretty, pretty precise flying. Yes, it's very precise flying. <laughs> tell you guys how much I love you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, all those years I did the podcast and um, I always had Amazon ads on there, but I never asked anybody to click through my website, bettingthesky.com, if you were going to buy something on Amazon. And I don't know how long it's been now that I've been asking you to, but it's so fun for me. <laughs> I like to see what people buy. And this month, somebody bought a TiVo, a ceiling fan. And have you guys heard of this... Um, Poo-pourri, it's a before-you-go bathroom spray, so you're, so literally, your poop doesn't stink. <laughs> so, somebody bought some poo-pourri through Amazon. So, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, if you wouldn't mind, if you click through my website, bettingthesky.com, uh, it doesn't cost you any more, supports the show, and uh, I love you. Thanks. Okay, so, this happened yesterday, right? Yes, on the way to London, I'm at the boarding door, and I'm directing the passengers where to go. So I tell this lady, oh, 16G, you're over on the other aisle, cross over and down on the left of the window. Well, all of a sudden, I hear the other flight attendants go, no, no, no. The woman, they were catering the plane with food trucks. 
the woman, mind you, it's cold out. She's like starting to board the truck outside the plane. We had to grab her and reel her back in. And she goes, well, I just went where you guys told me to go. And I was like, okay, I didn't tell you to go on the truck, lady. On the catering truck. On the catering truck. So then after that, I go out to our, just uh, to manifest. And the first guy goes, I don't want anything to eat. I just want two nuts and a Coke. So I go to write it down. And I go, you know, Mr. So-and-so, that doesn't sound too good. He goes, oh, two nuts. And he goes, well, I like my nuts warm. I said, well, do you want your nuts <laughs> salty? And I go, I'm trying to give you good service here. And he goes, oh, you are giving me good service. I said, well, this is going to be a fun flight because I just had a lady try to board the truck. And the passenger next to the one that wants the nuts goes, oh, my God, she's a bleeping effing idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And it just went all downhill. (laughs) Some of you, if you've been listening for a while probably know that I take a big trip every November and it's October now and I really need to start planning for this but I've been hesitant because I'm in I've got my condo on the market and um, found a place that I like in Hawaii I don't know where I'm going to be in this house selling buying moving process next month Uh, but then again I don't want to not plan a trip because What if I haven't got an offer on this place? So I've kind of been in this quandary. And as I want to do, I I sometimes make up my mind for a destination and then I change my mind. Um, So I had decided like last week and I was all excited about this destination. I thought I'm going to go to Bolivia. I've been meaning to go to Bolivia. Uh, It's one of the countries in South America I haven't been to. Uh, I'd like to see the Pantanal, which is the, it's like, the biggest wetland in the world. There's all that crazy wildlife. It goes through uh, Bolivia. It also goes through Brazil. I think one other country. Anyway, it's where they have those giant anacondas and crazy wildlife. And it's it's kind of a wild, um, crazy destination, which is like right up my alley. And plus in Bolivia, they also have these giant salt, salt lands. And um, it seems like there's a lot of things to do there. And I was excited about it. And um, now I'm not so sure. I'm also looking into Malawi and Africa. So I'm not totally sure. But for for a good couple days there, I was sure I was going to Bolivia. So I'm at work and I had been talking in the galley, this girl I just met and we were talking, I was talking about how I like to travel and, um, I'm you know, I usually take a trip in November. So we'd gotten all this and then I, both of us are on the beverage cart, okay, in the aisle and Every once in a while, I do it very often because I'm not sure if the passengers really like you talking on the beverage cart. But she says to me, when we're on the beverage cart, she says, um, well, where are you going this November? And I said, oh, I'm going to Bolivia. And she looked at me because I had told her that last year I went to Madagascar, which she she thought sounded strange. Um, And so she looked at me and she said, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And there's a passenger, a man sitting there. And he says, um. Well, I think that's dangerous. And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not that dangerous. And he's looking at me like, really? And she goes, well, why would you want to go there? And I was like, oh, you know, there's um, the Pantanal, a big wetland. There's these salt marshes. They got all that crazy wildlife. And, and she's like, they do? I'm like, yeah. And then she, And then the guy says, you know, I really don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I really don't think you should be traveling to Libya. <laughs> 
both the passenger and the flight attendant had thought I said I was going to Libya. <laughs> and now granted, with the current conditions and bombings in Libya, that would not be a good destination, I don't think. And I, it was so funny to me because then I was rewinding the conversation in my head thinking this man was probably thinking, this woman is crazy because here I am going, he thought I said I was going to Libya and he's going, it's dangerous. I'm like, oh no, it's not that dangerous. You know, they have anacondas there. <laughs> so I had to explain, oh no, no, no. <laughs> not Libya, Bolivia. And you know, they do sound similar, but actually... Now that I've done a few more days of research, I think Bolivia is also dangerous. Not as dangerous as Libya, but I was reading that there is a lot of armed um, violence and, you know, they'll, they'll you know, take you at gunpoint and make you take money out of the ATM. I don't know. I still, I really want, I'd like to go there. I'm just not sure if, um, I'm not sure yet how, I, how safe I think it is. And then I was doing a little uh, research on Malawi. And it's, um, it's not very dangerous and it's cheap for an African country. And I haven't been like on safari, safari for a long time. And, uh, I don't know yet. So <laughs> believe me, if you, by next month in the podcast, I'll know where I'm going and it, uh, won't be to Libya. Yes, Kim's bag went flying Head over teacups, I guess you'd say. We're in England, right? <laughs> Head over teacups. So I remember 18 years ago, I got my first captain job, and I was uh, training in Pittsburgh and at the U.S. Air Facility and just finished, and I was real proud of myself and had my uh, new wings on and was coming home from training, and I was actually uh, coming home to Cincinnati, and I was at the very top of the escalator. Oh, and about halfway down was an old woman. Oh, gosh. And as I got on the escalator, my bag flopped over. And I missed it. I grabbed for it. And I missed my bag. And the bag went like a slinky all the way down the escalator. Thunk, thunk, thunk. And I shouted down. I said, look out. Because <laughs> I couldn't quite catch it. And the lady couldn't hear. Of course. Her daughter was right in front of her. Her daughter heard, turned around. And just as she got to the bottom, she pulled her mother aside, and the bag just kind of laid up against her ankle. Oh, <laughs> that was and close. So crisis averted. So anyway, it's so important to make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. So in the last episode, I was talking about, even though it was a random thing to talk about, that I was excited that a flight attendant had told me about this soap cure, that if you have cramps in your feet, if you rub soap on it, or if you take soap and put it like um, un under the fitted sheet in your bed, it'll stop the cramping of your feet. So I was all excited because I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to cure someone. <laughs> You wouldn't believe it. Right after that episode aired, very first trip, very first flight, I had uh, taken some of the little tiny soaps from hotels and put it in my bag, just ready to go in case somebody comes back to the galley and starts complaining about cramps in their feet. So sure enough, very first flight, here comes this woman 
She looks very upset and she was saying, oh, I'm so tired and I can't sleep. I get these cramps in my feet and I'm in a middle seat and I can't move around and, and I know I'm not going to sleep. I'm just miserable. And I was like, what? <laughs> Here it is. So I get all excited. She's looking at me like, why is she excited about my misery? I'm like, hold on, hold on. I get out my bag. I come back and I'm like, I have something for you. And she's like, you have something for me? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's this, this cure that if you take the soap and you rub it on your feet, your cramps will go away. And she's looking at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, here, here you go. Here, I, I, I'm carrying my bag just for people like you. So here, here you go. And so she opens it right there and she starts rubbing the soap on her feet. And she's like, wow, wow, this, this is much better. It works. And I was just thinking, I got to cure someone. <laughs> Just one, someone happy, and you will be happy too. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks, bye. You could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeyes. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh yeah, I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeyes. Let's go. Let Popeyes do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeyes flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants.